0: Hello, Texans, and welcome to the program. Mark Vandermeer and John Harrison. This is the very first time this year that we are the warm up band for NFL football because the hall of fame game johnny is tonight this is one that we missed last year in fact we missed the entire preseason (laughs) last year so we don't have to get into that right now but this is it this starts it all there is no more weekend without football college or pro until the end of time february so this is going to be awesome just to see something even though the starters aren't starting tonight how are you doing
1: yeah i'm doing i'm doing great um, I hope that you and Clint Sterner can get this whole thing squashed. I don't know if you had a chance to hear this, What's that? but Clint, Clint was not very happy with you from this afternoon. Why? Because you guys were blocking his view, apparently, at practice. <laughs> he was sitting in the room where the press conferences are, and he could see right through to field two. And, then, yeah. and, then and we parked right in, in front, front of him. And well, he parked right in front of him. So uh, yeah, he was, he, he was a little, he's a little
0: steamed, but I think well, you know why he was steamed because he was sitting in the air conditioning and didn't want to park his keister out of keister, out of the tent outside <laughs> where Andre and I were, but guess what? Andre was kind of jelly of him because Clint, you know, did the veteran move of actually keeping his body in the tent and just finding a little sliver through the door. It's not a door. It's just the way the tent folds up and he's able to see out while keeping his body air conditioned. I didn't know Clint was that high maintenance, really, Johnny, but (laughs) it was smart. Andre gave him a ton of credit. This is like quarterback intelligence going back and forth here, these two guys. Uh, But Andre and I were standing outside, but we were barricaded by the tent and got some shade while we were watching field two and the padded practice today. So, uh, you know, everybody found their little perch and we watched a a interesting practice boy, David Cully afterwards, you know, he's big on, well, if somebody makes a play, it's always the Texans. So that's a good thing. I like that positive (laughs) approach, but he was not happy with the offense today. I don't blame him with the zebras out there, the officials out there. I think that anybody can see it, especially you football nerd types, where, look, you know that operation has to go off without a hitch. And you get false starts. You get the pre-snap stuff really read correctly by these officials. I'm not saying the coaches are letting it go, but they might let a snap go with a would-be pre-snap infraction in a normal practice. But with these men in stripes, you're not going to get away with it. And this is what they need. They got to clean their act up.
1: Yeah, Brad Rogers, number 126, uh, was out uh, with his crew on the field. And we talked about it in the morning, uh, Texas training camp live, which you don't want to miss, especially tomorrow, because I have Nick Casario on at 845. So you definitely don't want to miss that. But we talked about that in the morning, how important that is to have officials out there that have called the game. And it's important for the officials, too. They need to be able to see the game uh, at, at not – perfect game speed, but they need to get back to, oh, my gosh, it's been how many ever months since I've been out for an NFL game? Oh, yeah, these guys move really fast. But I think what was disappointing, Mark, was the fact that the two-minute drill situation that was so good on Monday was completely the opposite today. And it was because how many times have we talked about I can't remember what year it was. It was 18 or 19. I think it was maybe 19. I don't know. But every single time we got down in the red zone or even in the low red zone, there's a penalty. We had to yeah. settle for field goals. Right. And it was so frustrating. It was so frustrating. And we're like, man, what is going on? Why is this happening? And it's been a relatively uh, clean camp for the most part. Now, have I seen times when – They've let a questionable procedure, penalty, false start go, probably. But the ones that got flagged today were obvious. I mean, really obvious. And then, uh, as John McKay said, well, we didn't block or tackle, and we made that even better by not catching the ball or (sighs) running it well either. Well, right after, you know, well, we had a false start, and then we compounded it with allowing the quarterback to get sacked. And that was pretty much how the two-minute drill went. And I could see Coach Cully being upset. Look, if the defense beats the offense, fine. But if the offense beats the offense, no go. No go. That's goal. a good point. And that's what happened. The offense beat the offense. Now, the defense, like I said, had a couple of sacks and made a couple of plays. But it was to a point where you know Davis Mills had to bail out the second opportunity on a fourth down play. And Jordan Vesey made one heck of a catch on the other side yep. of the field all right, reset, you got time now. Took a timeout, you're good. Get set up, let's go. Davis Mills stares down at his receiver, Lonnie Johnson makes the pick, uh, and away you go. And I, I started thinking about this afterwards. I actually saw Lonnie going off the field, and I, I was like, hey, Lonnie, uh, this got be uh, this has got to be one of many, huh? Mm-hmm. And he's like, yes, sir, going to be one of many. And he, with those cornerback skills, mm-hmm. and the, he looks just cleaner. Uh, okay. As my dog is barking at me right I think now you because she she thinks that she's the Texans dog, the <laughs> Texans pup. And I'm talking to you, and she's really mad. I don't know if she thinks that Kirby's on the other side. She's very jelly. But Lonnie making that play today was hopefully indication of the range that he can show – the experience he now has at playing safety, and now he can build on that. And that hopefully is going to be a big thing for the Texans going forward.
0: Well, I'd rather see Davis Mills uh, throw a pick in practice than in a game. This just in. And look, you can improve, and he has improved. It's just that, you know, you're just going to see some rookie growing pains here with Davis Mills or with any rookie in this league. And we talked about it this morning, Mahomes throwing what, seven picks in a week or whatever the first year he was a full-time starter when he's running with the ones. And you know, this stuff happens and Trevor Lawrence himself throwing three picks the other day, this happens. And you got to learn from it. Just because I hit the ball in the water on the first tee in my first few rounds of golf doesn't, necessarily mean i'm always going to do that i have to right. improve from there he has to improve from there right. even if it was flawless in the two-minute drill he better continue to get better otherwise these defenses will eventually catch up to you and kill you so it's learning it's definitely lesson time in houston out there the houston methodist training center turf and i'm here for it i mean this is what we got to do this is what we got to see i do like what i'm seeing out of terad taylor uh johnny i want to ask you this it's time to you know get into it a little over a weekend. I believe the defense and I've been saying this, they do have players. They do have a chance to be pretty good. And by pretty good, I mean, look, slightly better than average, like my golf game. Okay. Maybe they're that, maybe they're better than that. I don't think they're really worse than that, but we'll see when they play the teams on this schedule. But I just think they have enough playmakers to make enough stops that if the offense can capitalize with the running game and if the defense can get get them some takeaways, we might see some pretty good results here. But what do you make of the defense so far, what you're seeing? It's hard to assess without them facing another offense. But what have you seen so far?
1: I've used – well, you and I have used this reference a few times uh, to Moneyball. And if you remember the beginning of Moneyball, it starts the previous year when the A's have got a bunch of stars, a couple of stars in particular, and one of them is Jason Giambi, and the other one is Johnny Damon, and the Scouts are figuring out, how do we replace this guy? How do we replace this guy? And Billy Bean and his uh, Moneyball guys Mm -hmm. said, well, we're not looking to replace. We can't find another Jason Giambi. We can't, but we can find two or three guys that can give us Near about what Giambi gave us, and we can do it for a whole heck of a lot cheaper, the two or three in combination. And my point with that is, all the talk nationally is, "Okay, JJ Watt's gone. This defense is going to stink. This defense wasn't very good last year. Now the best player is gone." They're not, I mean, I heard those exact words yeah. on a podcast I was listening to, um, and I, I can, you know, nationally, I can sort of understand it, but when I look at Christian Kirksey. Coming in and what he can bring a healthy Justin Reed, you know, Lonnie Johnson's second year as safety, Eric Murray in his second year here, you know, Bradley Roby, I think, is a a solid corner, no doubt. Terrence Mitchell started on a playoff team last year, Charles Amenu taking a step. There, there's going to be, I think, that philosophy of hey, look, we can't ever, who can ever replace JJ Watt? Who can replace him? Nobody, but you can do it in totality, and I think. That especially on the defense line, you can see that because I watch four or five, six guys, and I'm like, Hey, those, none of those guys are JJ Watt, none of them, and they're not expected to be. But in combination, it may not be a bad look. And to me, I watch the defense and I see a pretty hungry group, I see very consistent in the things they're doing. I, I see them. I watched today, I, I noted it in um, in my observations, Harris hits. There was a blown assignment and Farrah Brown got wide open. Now I can imagine over the first seven practices, there was probably a blown assignment here or there more than likely, but that was the first time that I saw an obvious blown assignment. And that shows you, Hey, they're minding their P's and Q's. The time they spent any the off season where they repped and repped and repped and repped and repped, and repped those coverages and drops and, and where they needed to be. My goodness. They did that over and over and over again. And you can see that comfort level sort of building now. And We have also said this too, master the routine, master the routine, whatever the routine play is, you know, you got to fill your gap, fill your gap. You got to make a tackle, wrap up, make a tackle. You don't have to make the big hit. You don't have to throw a shoulder into somebody and not wrap up. If you just do the mundane and routine things, then yeah, teams are going to pick up yards. It's an offensive league. You face some teams with some really good quarterbacks. And you're going to face some teams with some really good perimeter players. If you, though, master the routine, this drop has to be this way. This is where I need to go on my drop. You play the defense. I think there were plenty of times last year where there were guys that just weren't playing the defense. They just weren't playing the call. And I think combine that with guys that I didn't think were uh, tremendous, you know, up front in particular, a couple of guys, that are no longer here. That hey, I think you get you've gotten better up front. You mind your P's and Q's, and you pay attention to those things, and you fill gaps. And if you just do the the routine things and do those really well, then you got an opportunity to be a pretty solid defense, a defense that's not giving up 43 points to Tennessee. You know, it's not giving up 250 some odd total yards to Derrick Henry. You know, those yeah. things that's got to stop. You know, Are you going to um, you know, uh, give up uh, – are you going to hold uh, rushing teams to 50 yards and under every – no. Are you going to hold them under 100 every week? No. But you're not going to give up big plays. And the one thing we've seen in camp, and hopefully this is a sign, because I remember last year in camp there were not a lot of takeaways and I thought, eh, that'll change once a season, and then it never changed. Right. This defense, I think, from a takeaway perspective, is at a much different level. And that gets me excited.
0: Well, yeah, because look, you're facing a rookie quarterback week 1. Then you face the Browns who could be really good. We'll see. Then you're facing Carolina, work in progress, but you know, maybe they're really good. I don't know. Kyle Allen gave you fits 2 years ago, so we'll see how that goes. But again, you're not facing Murderer's Row out of the gate particularly at home you go to buffalo okay good luck because when you play the browns and buffalo on the road you're playing two playoff teams on the road in the afc then you're home for the patriots we're going to be well prepared we all know that but it's either going to be cam newton who knows what he's like by then or it's going to be mac jones and we'll see how that is uh and so those are your first five right there the home games i think are all quote winnable. I hate to say it like that in this league, but they're all winnable. It's going to be interesting to see you know, if they can play clean on offense, get the takeaways on defense, and give themselves some easier opportunities than they had last year. And look, you mentioned the defense last year, defense two years ago, wasn't so hot. You know, they won some big games by turning people over, which was yep. great. You know, it'll, it'll overcome a lot of stuff uh, if you're able to turn people over, but you know, how do they beat the chiefs? They possessed the ball. How did they beat the Patriots? They turned them over early, you know, that kind of thing. Yep. Uh, how do they beat the Titans up there late? They actually played some pretty good D against Derrick Henry up there late. How do they beat the bucks and clinch the AFC South? Yep. Well, they turned them over. So uh, that was 2019, 2018. The defense was kind of hanging in there. No question when they had the nine game winning streak, but you know, they really haven't been who they wanted to be on defense since 2016, 2015, when they were second and yep. first in the league, you know, you're not always going to be ranked that high in total defense. And I'm not saying this squad can do that, but this squad, if they turn people over should be able to make the opponent work for everything they've got. Cause on offense, they're going to have to work for everything they got. I mean, we were watching practice today and I thought, I don't think it's going to be an explosive deep ball kind of offense. This news flash here. I don't (laughs) think we're going to be getting that out of this group. Yeah, I'll take it. I'll take it all day long. If we do, I think it's going to be run the ball, play action, pop a big one every once in a while, get some yak out of some medium range stuff, obviously throw the throw to the backs when you can. I think that's what we're going to get uh, on offense. I can't wait to see it. Green Bay. I know it's just going to be one preseason game, but man, oh, man, I can't wait to see it. Johnny, uh, let's go around the league a bit tonight. What are you thinking here? You got Mason Rudolph (laughs) starting for the Steelers. (laughs) Dak (laughs) is unavailable for the Cowboys. It's the Hall of Fame game. But in days of old, as in pre-COVID, this would be the first of five. Now it's the first of four. I don't know how that changes things for them, if at all. Clearly, you're not seeing the starting quarterbacks tonight. You're unlikely to see the starters for very long, but it's still going to be fun to see some football from Canton, Ohio.
1: Yeah, I don't know how much a guy like Micah Parsons is going to play for the Cowboys, but if I'm the Cowboys, first of all, I know he's got to start for me, so I don't want to go too far with him. This guy's have played football since January 2020 when he played in the Cotton Bowl because he opted out of 2020 due to COVID, and so he sat out 2020. So, yes. Didn't take the pounding on his body, but it's going to be a little bit of rust. So, Micah Parsons, and you know me, I, the rookies, guys I haven't seen, those guys are going to be interesting to me. And then on Steeler's side, same sort of thing. I mean, Najee Harris is – hes I would imagine he's got to be the starter in Pittsburgh at running back. So, I don't think we'll see much of him, but to give him a couple carries in yep. his first game as a pro, I think that's going to be important, maybe throw him one in the backfield, get him two, three carries, get him a catch, get him out. But just seeing him for the Steelers, I think the Steelers, as crazy as it sounds, I think Najee Harris is going to be a big factor as long as the offensive line just doesn't completely melt down. And I'm not totally convinced. There's no Pouncey. There's no DeCastro. There's no Villanueva. This could be an offensive line that struggles mightily in Pittsburgh. And Najee Harris may be the unfortunate beneficiary of that. But I want to see him – in Steelers colors and see how he looks.
0: Yeah, I do too. I mean, look, I'll watch any kind of football. You know that. So I want to see that tonight uh, in Canton, Ohio, Hall of Fame game, a game in which the Texans can participate at some point. Again, this was the very first game of franchise history back in 2002. Do you remember who called the game? Well, I know you did. Well, I mean, I'm talking about TV nationally, okay? Ooh, I'm trying to remember. Um, was that, was, why do I think that game was on ESPN? It was Al Michaels and John Madden. Oh, that was the call, wow. okay? Wow. And I'll never forget the day before we were on the field, and we met Al Michaels, and Kerry Collins was walking around, and I talked to him for a bit because I interviewed him as a redshirt freshman at Penn State. Oh, my gosh. That was a long time ago. Uh, Melissa Stark was there. And the big story from the Texans participation in the Hall of Fame game broadcast wise was I think there was one bathroom at the stadium at the time. That's the Tom Benson Stadium. And it's all (laughs) up and very nice. But they were holding the bathroom at the half. Hey, guys, we're holding the bathroom for John Madden. I'm like, first of all, gosh, we don't want to get in the way of John Madden. Second of all, nobody's going to want to use the bathroom after (laughs) John Madden. So I guess we're just going to have to wait until the post-game show to use the facilities here or somewhere else. I don't know. Because, like, no one's going in there after Madden goes in there. That's what I remember about the Hall of Fame game. I also remember Billy Miller uh, catching a touchdown pass in that game, and he had eventually caught the very first touchdown pass in team history against the Cowboys. That was also the Jeremy Shockey game, wasn't it? Jeremy Shockey with the truck.
1: Yeah. Kevin he- Williams. Yes, yep. uh, that was one of the things I remember watching it, getting excited to see, uh, you know my my hometown Houston, the Texans back on, and yep. Shocky goes nuts. And you obviously had seen him down with the Hurricanes, yep. But that was that was a little different type of Shocky. I mean, in Miami, you know, he did his thing, but there were so many stars, and then all of a sudden he gets to the Giants and he kind of unleashes, and you're like, oh wow, this guy's really good, very nasty, kind of a Early 2000s, George Kittle type, boy, he was he was a manimal. My was good. goodness, really good.
0: He caught the uh, go-ahead touchdown and wide right three at the Orange Bowl when the Canes beat Florida yep. State. Uh, but, yeah, I remember that one. And Seth Payne talked about the scrimmage. You guys were talking about it this morning that the Texans had with the Cowboys August 2nd, 2002. It was only three days later they would participate in the Hall of Fame game. It was kind of funny that way that you had a scrimmage on August 2nd and Seth was noting how Dom Capers held back the starters for much of that scrimmage. Yeah. Well, they had a Hall of Fame game a few days later and you only had so many bodies, you know, so yeah. you're basically playing almost two games in three, four days. And then that was the first of five preseason games. Right. And yep. I'll, I'll never forget preseason game three, which is week two of the preseason as it stands or as it would stand pre-COVID and Charlie casually being on the pregame show. Hey, see, we got another one tonight. Like it was just one (laughs) after another, after another, and it was at Kansas city. And it just, it seemed like it was taking forever to get to that preseason because you wanted to get to September 8th, but that's the way it went. And look, preseason football, when you play in this one tonight, obviously, you know, you're, you're playing all levels of the depth chart. It kind of resembles preseason game four the way it used to be, but, uh, I think it's great for all the guys who need to have this action and on this roster with the Texans, when you look at Davis mills, I mean, we're going to be watching Davis mills next week. Like it's the most important thing ever. Cause it is uh, yep. as far as that week goes in his development. And then Jeff Driscoll trying to show something, Hey, I still belong in this league. I can still make plays. I talked to him this morning, Johnny, and, he uh, he's got as good an attitude as you could have in his situation, being I guess the third guy on this team, and just making the yeah. most of any rep you can get. Yeah,
1: that's what the number three guy's got to do. And the other aspect of it is, look, I'm going to show what I can in camp, but I do know I'm going to get a lot of reps in those preseason games. I'm getting a ton of reps in those games, and I am treating those like they are week 17 and a playoff bid is on the line. Yep. And that's the way I'm, I'm going to treat it. So it's not as if, hey, look, practice, uh, practice, is pr-, no, 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 whatever. Practice is obviously still very important. But if you go out there as the number three guy and you do something, I remember Tom Savage in 20, when we go to Denver, 2014? 2014. And Tom had the, that good come from behind win. It was and nice. Started getting some momentum. And we kind of like, hey, hey, whoa, maybe there's something. Maybe, 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 maybe. There's something there. And then, of course, Tom had bad luck at the end of the year. And, you know, 2015, he's got the bad luck in the preseason game against Dallas. And, you know, it, it all went it all went from there. But the point being, he knew as the number three guy, look, I've got to get what I can in these preseason games. And, yeah, there might be some guys on the sidelines that are in hats and jerseys, you know, second half because they got a starting spot locked up and all that. But I got to go treat this like the Super Bowl. And I think that's the way Jeff will go about it.
0: Yeah, I think so, too. Uh, It'll be fun to watch them operate. That's one week from Saturday at Lambeau Field against the Green Bay Packers. And then the Texans will face the Dallas Cowboys a week after that at Jerry World. And then the one preseason game here against, I hesitate to say, Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, but he happens to be on the football team. And I would expect maybe he'd get a series that night or something. It'll be two weeks before the opener or slightly less for them being the Super Bowl champs. But yeah, you know, they got to get him some action in the preseason, yeah. I would think. I would think something, Johnny, right? I mean, just to give him a little taste.
1: Yeah, maybe. I mean, first of all, you don't want to play with fire. I mean, he's been dealing with that knee injury and dealt with that knee injury for a long time. So, you don't want to tempt fate. You also have a situation in Tampa Bay where he's not the number two, but he's the number three. But you want to see what you got in Kyle Trask Yeah. in Tampa Bay. Yeah. So, You really want to see, hey, look, man, we put a second-round pick on this guy. We've got to see, first of all, can he overtake Blaine Gabbert? Because that probably saves us a few bucks. Not that that's a massive uh, issue. But, hey, maybe – I don't know that we really want Kyle Trask to be number two, but if he outperforms him, Bruce Arians has always said, hey, we'll put the guy that's outperforming him there. So they got to see what they got in Kyle Trask. We're going to see the homeboy from Manville High School, Kyle Trask, a lot, a lot in game three.
0: August 28th, NRG Stadium opener, the preseason finale here. All right, next up, Jacob Martin, pass rusher, defensive end. How's he feeling about things in this training camp? He's coming up next on Texans Radio. We just had day eight of training camp. It's Texans All Access. And as camp began, John Harris and I caught up with Jacob Martin, pass rusher, but also a little bit of a veteran on this team now. His third year in, and he's come a long way. I've come far. This has been a journey.
2: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but uh, it's it's awesome. Man. It's a, it's a it's a dope feeling, you know, to be able to lead guys in, in the right
1: direction, you know. Mm-hmm. So I think that's awesome. All right, I'm gonna ask a question. I know it's on the tip of anybody's tongue that has thought about this, and you know a question I'm gonna ask. You ran a three-four last year. Now it's a four-three. How does that change things in your world? Nothing, man. It takes
2: me back to my DNA. Honestly, you know, i I'm, I was excited about the change. Um, I'm just really just been waiting for an opportunity to, to play in a four-three again. Um, you know, that was my bread and butter at Temple University, um, not having to to be in coverage or things like that, and just be a, a true defensive end. You know, uh, base down reach. You know, mm-hmm. those are things that I, that are, you know, uh, easy money for me. So,
1: so you were, I mean, for people out there sort of panicking about it, you're saying, hey, man, this is a return to sender basically. This I, is this I'm is comfortable. This.
2: this is why I got drafted. This, playing in a 4-3 is the sole reason I got drafted. I didn't play, I never played in a 3-4 until I got here.
1: What's the key, playing a 4-3 versus a 3-4? Like You mentioned coverage. Obviously, in 3-4, you're more involved in coverage. But mm-hmm. playing a 4-3 defensive end, how is that different? My hand's on the
2: ground, you know. Uh, uh, less to see, less to think about. Um, you know, it's it's really, I could play a whole lot faster. There's not a whole lot of thinking involved. I don't have to see who I'm matched up against. I don't have to, I don't have to look at the wide receiver splits or, um, you know, now I'm really just focused on the backfield sets and or whatever the offensive line gives me. So,
0: That's excellent. Jacob Martin joining us. What's Lovey Smith like in the rooms? What's he like to listen to as he's addressing the whole group? You know, that's a, another legend of the game. You know, it's
2: someone who, who knows defense. He knows NFL defense. Uh, you know, and he's, he knows pass rushers. You know, he's uh, has had, had some success with uh, the guys he's had in the past. Um, so uh, he's a great coach, great guy to learn from, great guy to listen to. Um, and really just uh, uh, to learn football from. You know, he's a great football mind, Um, real good at answering questions or asking questions and uh, making his guys think, so I, I like that. You
1: mentioned pass rush. There's obviously a lot of technique work, which seemingly is very scientific, seemingly, on a pass rush, but there's an art to it as well. How do you kind of bridge the gap between the two to make sure that you stay kind of innovative and kind of, artist like but yet you're still you're still honing in on the technique that's needed how do you match art and science so to speak to be a great pass rusher well man
2: how i think about pass rushing like you said i think of it as an art right uh and and with art you know you have different kinds of paintbrushes right Right. so uh with pass rushing um you know you just got to figure out what paintbrush are you you know are you a power guy you a finesse guy Mm -hmm. You're a little bit of both you know uh, when i mean power rushers that means long arms bull rushes you know stab stab clubs and things like that um or if you're a finesse guy speed guy you know that's more spins chop clubs you know uh, things like that where uh, i'm using more of my speed to yep. my advantage to set up uh, rushes and things like that um i think those are those and how you how you marry the two is you figure out what brush you're going to paint with yep and once you understand that, then now you got to figure out, okay, how can I – because every, everyone moves differently. Uh, everyone has different steps. Everyone has different techniques or different, you know, capabilities with in terms of their body. Um, you know, but I think some of the best pass rushes are kind of on, 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 unorthodox. Yeah. You know, yeah. Uh, like said, it's hard to mimic Bond's rushes. It's hard to mimic, you know, Frank Clark's rushes. Yeah. You know, it's hard to mimic, you know, um, Khalil Mack's rushes or Z'Darrius Smith's rushes and things yeah. like that. Um, but I think that's what makes guys unique, you know, un- them understanding what they can do physically and then mastering that. So now it's, it's not a thought. It just happens. Like when people ask me like, what do you think? Like I have my go-to rush, which would right. be a chop, chop swing. Yeah. Right. Um, that just kind of just happens. I don't really think about it. It just, it happens. It's just cause I, I've practiced it so much. You know, my first two years in the league, I, if you go back and watch like my Seattle film or even my first year here, uh, all I did was throw that. Whether I won or lost, I was throwing it just to get the repetition of it, the muscle memory of it. So, yeah. like, when I'm in the position
0: to throw it, it just it just comes naturally. Interesting. All right. So we talked to Malik Collins, and he mentioned your name specifically when we talked about the talent on the D line. So, what about the talent on the D line, Jacob? What can you tell us about what's up front this year? Because there are a lot of new guys, like we said.
2: You know, picking up Malik was like a was huge. You know, having a having a, a boss three technique that can get off the ball and. Uh, has very versatile moves, you know, he can power rush, you know, he's very athletic, he can spin, you know, he can chop, um, you know, then obviously coming back and playing with Chuck again um, and his and his variety of moves and um, and then adding Shaq Lawson and um, Jordan Jenkins, you know, and obviously I'm excited to see, you know, John Gennard, you know, step into his role. I think he could be a really good football player. Um, but really just excited to see how these guys work, you know, and I had an opportunity to work with some of these guys, uh, VT and – um Uh, Jaleel, uh, Mm -hmm. over the break, and, you know, the guys are looking good, and I think the chemistry's going to be great, and it's really just going to come down to working those rushes with each
1: other in practice and and the preseason games and things like that. You mentioned you've got a pet move, and I would imagine every guy that's a pass rusher has a pet move. So what does it take to learn a new move? Pitcher's got a fastball slider. He wants to learn a changeup. He can go through years sometimes to learn how to throw an accurate changeup and do that. What's it like to try and learn a new pass rush move that you want to try and incorporate something that counters off what your best move is? How tough is that to incorporate into your into your game to bring in something new, if you will?
2: Right. And uh, so last year, you know, my biggest thing was coming up with a counter, yeah. a counter that made sense in terms of, okay, uh, because a lot of people think you were going to win on your first move often. And have I won on my first move? Yeah, I have. You know what I mean? But. Uh, sometimes you get caught, you yeah. know, so being able to counter off that first move where it's, it's fluid, you don't want to have to chop or chop your feet at the top of the rush or yeah. slow down at the top of the rush. Um, so being able to, to counter off the chop swing, which would be, a, you know, a spin, you know, I could uh, fake the chop, fake spin, you know, whatever the case may be, or come inside, whatever the whatever the case is. You know, developing rushes that, okay, I know how I set my game up would be, okay, I'm going to power first, even though I'm not a power rusher, right? right? I'm going to go to power first, so they don't know really know how fast I am. Right. And then they're thinking I'm going to come out the second time in power rush. I may touch and go. Right. Or, or may, you know, ghost. Yeah. Right. Vaughn has, you know, mastered the ghost. Yeah. yeah. You know, so
0: learning what's, from what's the ghost for the listeners? What's the ghost? Right.
2: So it's like you're going into to power rush. Right? right. Like I may, I may throw my inside arm, um, like I'm going to long arm them, you know, and I'll take the arm away. And when, because disappear. Uh. And I, and I ghost. I ghost underneath his hands. You know, uh, a lot of offensive linemen are, are, this league is amazing. The, the talent in this league is amazing, in offensive and offensive linemen. they 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 study just as much as we study. Of course, you know, and uh, they kind of know us almost better than we know ourselves. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? So, um, being able to to it's almost like magic, you know, trying to sell something that you're right. that you're taking away. You know, so you get them you you get them to stop their feet or to brace for that long arm for that power move to power down. It would be the, the technical term for them, you know, and and then abusing you are you abusing their athletic ability to mine. You know, yep. right? more athletic than them, so I can start and stop a lot faster. Yep. So, um, selling selling those types of
1: rushes, no doubt. All right, you ready for some either wars? Yeah, these are pretty easy. Some you got to pick a new professional sport, either soccer or baseball. I got a question:
2: Is it, is this like you pick one? Is is the soccer in America
1: or is it like yeah. world soccer, Premier League soccer, Major League Baseball? You're at the height of either sport. Any Premier League you want. Could be the German League. Could be Yeah. The- La Liga. Oh. Could be what you want. But I, Premier League is the one most people know.
2: Mm. So I would say Premier League Soccer, man. Okay.
1: All right. I'm good with that. Either Larry Bird or Steph Curry.
2: Oof. In like a regular season? I just. Steph Curry, man. <laughs> I'll make a lot of people mad. But uh, that. I love Larry Bird. I would probably okay. say that.
1: Yeah, I, I probably would. Too.
2: See, Larry Bird was a good three-point shooter, great shooter, but Steph Curry has mastered it.
1: Okay. Yeah. Well, that's because the three-point shot came in Larry's first year in the league. Nobody was shooting it. Gosh, I feel like I got to defend Larry Bird. I can't. What, is, yeah. what has become of me that I've got to defend him? Okay. Um, Instagram or TikTok? To Instagram. Okay. Cheat meal. Do you have a cheat meal? I do. You have like zero body fat. You I, have a cheat meal.
2: I, I I I don't have to watch what I eat, so yeah, you know, try to sneak
1: in a cheat. So meal. So you're good, okay. Yeah. So with your cheat meal, do you want more appetizers and no dessert, or do you want fewer appetizers and gotta have dessert? Appetizers, you you gotta, gotta have apps. No desserts. No desserts. You don't What's, like desserts. I like desserts, but like
2: if I'm at a restaurant, I I think about it. Like I never, I rarely ever order desserts at a restaurant. What's your cheat meal? Whew. uh, like you're just letting go? Man, I've a few. And Houston's a great food city, of course. You know, uh, so I would say, Turkey Lake Hut. You know, oh yeah, or Gus's. Yep. Or That's fried chicken. Mm-hmm, or uh, there's actually this like most slept. I think the best bar. I love barbecue too. So right. like when I when I do honestly, I take the bag. scrap the other two. When I do barbecue. It's I'm eating barbecue all day, you know, from 11 a.m. Like an all-day barbecue. Yeah, I'll go order, you know, a pound <laughs> of brisket, you know, a rack of ribs. Oh, yeah. A, you know, a pound of, you know, jalapeno smoked sausage. Right, right, right. You know, a pound of normal that just sausage. just lasts you all day. I'll eat it, you know, all day.
1: Just leave it on the counter. Yeah, brisket it house. Just feast all day. Okay, you went to a great university. Temple University, great university. The greatest. I'm going to wipe that out. I'm going to force you to go back to school, play ball. Mm-hmm. But you got to pick another school either USC or
2: Alabama. Ooh, probably Bama, man. Probably Bama.
1: Okay. Nobody wants to go to the West Coast. Nobody's picked USC. I've been surprised. But USC's but in It's it's if it's USC with Pete Carroll it's USC. Yeah. Okay, yeah, See? all right. It's SC? Okay, you're yeah, remembering US, a good long, one. long ago. Yeah. yeah. That's true. That's yeah. long okay. ago. Okay. But- all right, USC with Pete Carroll Nick Saban Alabama. It's SC. Okay. That was the hot program at the time for sure. Yeah. But he, that went, was. To, he went to
0: Temple. So, yeah. uh, Syracuse or Boston College? Ooh, ooh. I hate both of them. Ooh. Okay, see? I knew it. <laughs> no, you got to pick one harder. harder. If you had to pick one, Rutgers.
2: Oh, my. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> uh, if, if it was out of those three. I'm probably going to go to Boston College. Yeah,
0: because Boston's a better better city. Jacob, thanks so much for being with us. Good luck. I appreciate you guys. Jacob Martin here on Texans Radio. Coming up, Johnny catches up with a receiver that you got to keep your eyes on, especially when the Texans take on the Packers one week from Saturday. That's Alex Erickson. He's next on Texans All Access. It's Texans Radio. Now, if you've been listening to the programs, watching some of our stuff, you're thinking, it's overwhelming, all these new players. I cannot possibly get to know all these new guys. Relax, it's okay, we've got you. HoustonTexans.com has all that information there. We've done features on every single new player on the roster. And if you just want to sample a few, well go ahead and check out the one-on-ones deep slant interview with DP. She catches up with a player every day, drew Doherty's 12 questions, real fun way to do that. And if you just want to find out what's going on at practice, DP's notes and quotes, she puts those out every single day and that gives you a little thumbnail sketch of what went on at practice you want to dive a little deeper John Harris with the Harris hits you find out what went on on the playing field and today like we mentioned earlier full pads third consecutive day I doubt they're like that tomorrow I think tomorrow's going to be a little bit lighter than they have a Saturday night practice but full pads today they went through more two-minute situations they did a little bit more red area especially in seven on seven so it was cool to watch some of that stuff and again everything is a work in progress we'll all see it together Preseason game number one one week from saturday night at green bay right now and speaking of green bay that's in the state of wisconsin Alex Erickson went to the University of Wisconsin and John Harris had a chance to catch up with a 60-year wideout. You know,
1: it's that often and sometimes, sometimes. Well, over the last few years, we got to know somebody from Wisconsin very, very well. I've got another Wisconsinite next to me, Alex Erickson. I got to say, Alex, I am really excited for two reasons. One, A, you're just here. You're a good dude. You're here. Well, Secondly, seeing you with key punt returns against us over the years and making a play against us, kind of want that for us and
3: not for the other team you used to be with. But I'm glad you're here, man. Yeah, I'm glad to be here, man. It's a, it's a great opportunity for a lot of us and really excited what we're building down here and just uh, honored to be part of it. I haven't had a chance to talk to you this offseason, and I've asked this some other guys, and you know,
1: the, the answer is you know, a lot of opportunity, there's some new things going on here, but why for you did Houston
3: make the most sense? Yeah, it was, uh, you know, I've been in Cincy last five years and uh, enjoyed my time there, but, it, you know, it was time for... Like a lot of guys say, a new opportunity, a chance to to build something down here, and um, you know, there's a lot of a lot of us are in the same boat. Of you know, we play a lot of ball, been uh, other spots, and now we're here, and um, so the competition level is so high, and you know, whatever, you can't worry about the numbers, can't worry about any of that, but it just it makes you improve every day because someone's pushing you, and we're all pushing each other in the right direction, and um, that's how we all get better. A lot of guys here are on second team, some third team,
1: whatever the case might be. This is the first time you've changed teams. Yeah. You've known Cincinnati, you've known the Bengals. That's what you've known. Now you come here and things are different. How's that transition been for you? And how's it been
3: uh, as you look around the room with the other guys that are here from the, you know, seeing their second team or third team? Yeah, it's been it's been good because there's so many guys in this locker room that are high character guys that really just care about each other and. Um, honor and respect the, you know, the journey that guys have been through. And, yeah. um, you know, that's what's pretty cool about the NFL. You know, we all come from different spots. We all have our own challenges and hardships that we had to get through to get here. And so everyone respects that, and we're all professionals. And so that's just really been what's been fun, building that the team aspect of what we're doing. Okay, I'm going to assume like most kids that grew up in the state of Wisconsin, it's Brewers,
1: Badgers, Packers, and the Bucks. Yes, Am I sir. right with that
3: assumption? Yes, sir. Go Bucks.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's where I was gonna go with this, man. As a kid that grew up, I I was born in 1972. Bucks won a championship in 1971, so I had not been alive to see <laughs> one. How cool was that to see Bucks in six and actually get it done?
3: Man, it was awesome. It's a uh... Just because the way the NBA is now, you know, they build these super teams and the Bucs did it through the draft, did it through the guys they had, you know, Giannis staying there. And so I think that just makes it even more special. And then, you know, being a small market team, uh, the city, you know, blue collar city, Milwaukee, uh, really rallied around that team. The whole state did. And uh, it was pretty special to to see them win win the world championship. We were talking to Eric Murray the other day. Interview is going fine, but then we brought
1: up the Bucks, and it just went to a totally, totally (laughs) different level. Okay, I started this with Max Sharping the other day. We just happened to see somebody going across the field. I was like, hey, say something nice about. I was like, I'm going to do this with everybody, all right? So say something nice
3: about Brandon Cooks. Brandon Cooks. Man, Brandon, I appreciate you, your leadership in the room, uh, the way he works. You know, he's the most talented guy we have. He's the most, most accomplished guy I have. But he's also one of the most hardworking guys we have. And that says a lot about who he is and the type of person that um, is leading our room. Okay, say something nice about Mark Ingram. Mark Ingram, man, Mark, love your energy, man. Uh, you bring that, that big trust every, every, <laughs> every day uh, and it's uh, infectious. His, his energy is just, it feeds everybody. Say something nice about Terod Taylor. Tyrod you know I got to know him just this year and um, same thing his leadership and his poise that he has back there really just uh, makes you feel comfortable when you get in the huddle with his command and 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 the poise he has back there. Say something nice about Frank Ross. Frank Ross you know young coach a lot of energy um, brings it every day and uh, he's been fun to to work with and be around and uh, special teams really going to take a step this year. Alex I'm so glad you're here man thank you for the time. Appreciate it.
0: There's Johnny with Alex Erickson, one of the many receivers vying to make the club and the competition is hot and heavy. I mean, we've talked a lot about Brandon Cooks, the veteran, and some of the other vets on this team, but Nico Collins, plenty on him. Third round draft choice out of Michigan, another Big Ten school along with Alex Erickson's Wisconsin. But Nico Collins looking good out there. And again, everything, they're working on it. They're trying to hone things on offense. The defense just trying to blow things up. And it's always, as David Cully says, the Texans making a play at practice. Well, eventually it won't be. Saturday night against the Packers. One week from Saturday, not this Saturday. Enjoy the Hall of Fame game tonight with the Dallas Cowboys and the Pittsburgh Steelers. Have a great night, everyone. We'll be on the air tomorrow morning at 8. Nick Casario joins us, John McClain, and others. Go Texans!